Well, good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? Man, that was fantastic. Uh, I love when you have spontaneous baptisms. People just keep, you know, wanting to come to get water baptized. Man, that is such a blessing to see God move like that. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 6 this morning. Mark chapter 6. And we're in a series called Fish and Chips. We're looking at the feeding of the 5,000, which is called in the Scripture, from different angles. So last week we looked at the angle from Jesus. And remember, hurting people help people. And today we're going to look at the perspective of the disciples in Mark 6. So let me ask you a question. When you hear the name Thomas Edison, what do you first think of? Light bulb. If you hear the name Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., you think of civil rights, right? Movement, equality, things of that nature. If you hear the name Steve Jobs, you think of Apple, right? Like the list could go on and on and on because you associate these people, these great people, what they've done with that thing. But they understood something that many of us don't understand because we look at them and think they had such deep purpose and meaning to life. And I would love to find meaning like that in my life as well. But here's the truth. Many of us miss it. And what I want to do today is show you how the disciples found out something that Steve Jobs knew and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. knew and that Thomas Edison knew that we usually don't know. Now, in Mark's gospel, we're looking at the four different gospels, this is the only miracle that is recorded beside the resurrection in all four gospels. And in Mark's gospel, it's very uh, unique because Mark is the shortest gospel. It's only 16 chapters. And Mark's favorite word is the word immediately. 42 times we see the word immediately used in his gospel. And what you see there in Matthew, Jesus was a teacher. We looked at Matthew last week. Lots of teachings. Most teachings, when, when Matthew recorded that, he was there. He remembered all these teachings. Mark, on the other hand, was not there with Jesus. Mark, we believe, and scholars believe, by church tradition, that he sat down with Peter. And Peter was the one that helped him understand the life of Jesus. And then Mark uh, wrote that down for us, for us to have. So we see Jesus not as a teacher, but as a workhorse. That nonstop, all he does is work, 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 work. Miracle after miracle after miracle. The least amount of teachings, the most amount of miracles, the shortest book. And in Mark chapter 6, though, he records the feeding of the 5,000. And what's interesting, he does tie into that. Remember last week, the, the death of John the Baptist? That was Jesus' close friend, a ministry partner who baptized him. And Jesus was, was probably a little hurt that his best friend had died. He was, he was grieving a little bit, and I shared that. But the, how Mark, the angle that Mark takes is a little different. So I want to look at that today. And if you have your, your Bible, look at Mark chapter 6, verse 30. And it says, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told them all they had done and taught. He had just sent them off two by twos to go get trained, to, to go out and, and do miracles. He said this, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Mark is showing how busy, how hard of a worker Jesus was. It says they left uh, by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion. Remember last week what I told you? If I was trying to get away and have some rest from ministry, and all y'all were showing up where I was at, I don't think the word would be compassion. I think it would probably be frustration, annoyance. I'm not Jesus. Don't, don't judge me like that. But he had compassion on them because they were like sheep 
without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Pay close attention to that because this is the crux of the day's message. Send them away. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We had to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, and we have this from the little boy in his lunch, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told his disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. And then Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they, watch this, so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Most people believe this could have been upwards of 15 to 20,000 people. And what I want to do today is show how these disciples saw a huge problem. They saw an obstacle around them, something that they didn't think that they could do, that, they, that there wasn't a, a need that they could meet, and what happened in that. Because what they saw was a problem, and Jesus invited them into that to find their purpose. And I want to talk to you today about the same thing, because that word purpose is a buzzword in today's society. And can I tell you, many of us will miss it because it's way too simple, and it doesn't revolve around us. And so if you have your notes handy, write this down. Here's what today's big idea is. Other people's problems present our purpose. Other people's problems present our purpose. There was a problem. Those people needed food. And the disciples wanted to send them away for somebody else to handle it because they were doing ministry. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Their problem is going to become your purpose. And that's what happened for them. And I think you and I have to understand that when you think of Steve Jobs or Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. or Mother Teresa or Thomas Edison, that what they did for us, they weren't great because they found greatness. They weren't great because they read a book on purpose and went to a seminar on discovering your purpose. They weren't great because they got in a think tank and started thinking about you know, their gifts and their abilities. What they did was they found a problem in society that other people had, and they met the need of that problem. And that's why we remember them today. And I think the issue today is, is that we're so self-consumed is that we don't want to be bothered with other people's problems. Like, I got 99 problems and yours ain't one of them. But if we have that mindset like the disciples had, we're going to miss out on the purposes of God for our life. We have to understand that God will give us problems. He'll, he'll show us holes. He'll, he'll show us needs that have to be filled. And either we, we look at them and we solve it or we don't. And I think there's two major misconceptions of purpose of why we miss out on it. The first misconception is this. We think that God exists to serve our purpose. We do. God doesn't exist to serve our purpose or our purposes. Now, does he give us purpose? Yes, he does. He creates all of us with that. There are certain passions you have. There are, there are certain things that make you weep and pound the table. 
You know, if we all look through the newspaper at all the things that are going on in our, in our community, each one of us would find something different. Somebody would be, you know, their heart would break over senior citizens and the loneliness they have. Uh, maybe those shut in at home and others would be broken over the crime and others over education. All of us have been equipped with this purpose that has passion inside of us. God gave us that. But God is not interested in making us great. He's not interested in making us famous. He's not interested in, in like just helping us fulfill a purpose that we want to fulfill. He's not here to serve our purposes. We're here to serve his purposes. That's the first thing. Understand the disciples got involved with what Jesus was doing. They didn't ask Jesus to get involved in what they were doing. Jesus wanted to meet the needs of those people, and the disciples partnered with Jesus through that. Super important. The next thing we have to understand, the next misconception is this. We think others exist to serve our purpose, that other people exist to make our purpose happen. If you're a business owner, man, these people need to go get my product and buy my stuff because, man, that's how I get purpose. That is not the case. Matter of fact, for, to, to find purpose, here's the hardest part. You've got to become a means to an end for somebody else. I'll say it one more time. That, that's hard to wrap your head around. You've got to become a means to an end for someone else's problems. That means you're there to serve their problems. And many times we don't want that. We're not there to handle their problems or take on their stuff. We see their problems as something like an interruption. And here, here's why we miss it and write this down. If we only see people's problems as an interruption, then we will never see our purpose come to completion. That's what the disciples saw. He saw their, the problem they had as an interruption to ministry. Like, Jesus, our, okay, our budget doesn't handle this. There's not enough resources. Let's send them away. I ain't got time for this. And they would have missed out on the only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels because it's that important. The disciples got to participate. They literally saw the multiplication of food in their hands because they partnered with Jesus. But so many times when someone has an issue or a problem, like we're on the way somewhere, they're interrupting us, they're slowing us down. And if we look at people like that, we're going to really miss what purpose is. We'll never see our purpose come to completion. Okay, so for me, I don't know if any other parents struggle with this, but this is what I struggle with. Like um, an eight-year-old boy, like they just ask questions nonstop. I hear, if I had a dollar for every time I heard the word dad, I would be a millionaire. I don't know how the rest of the kids are. I've never had girls. I don't know how girls are. But I know that boy is dad, 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 dad. And can I just be honest? At a certain point, I'm like, what? What? Like 30 seconds, bud, what? <laughs> and here's what he's learned to say is he's going to ask questions. He says, dad, I have a question. And I found myself getting frustrated the other day going, what? Oh, my God, I mean, Questions. I feel like, you've ever watched Star Wars when Yoda like laid there and Luke kept questioning him and he just like that meme where he just died? Like I just feel like, <laughs> one more question and I'm just going to vanish. <laughs> Stop bothering me, boy. So, <laughs> but I realized in that moment, he asked, he, and he, I, forgot, I forgot the question he had, but I realized at that moment, this is me discipling my son. And this is me, like this is my purpose. Dad, I have a question is my purpose. It's not my interruption of all the other things in life I'm trying to do. And it really hit me because I was like, man, I'm going to miss out on really being engaged in what my son wants and needs because I'm seeing him as an interruption. And friends, I want to encourage you, like, when you see things pop up and somebody needs help or somebody has a question or those things come, you can be annoyed or you can say, you know what, maybe the Lord wants to use me to help them. Maybe there's a problem that I can feel in their life. Don't look at it as, as just an interruption. 
um, look at it as God opening a door for you. And so, like, for me, uh, the thing that changed me, it really helped me was, and I'm going to preach the rest of the time on this, was something a pastor said to me. One thing I've always loved to do is submit and serve leaders, especially older leaders. And so um, I went back to Clinton, North Carolina in 2008 and 2009, and I met with my home church pastor. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew I was going to plant a church in the future. wasn't sure. I sat down with him. He said, we have a couple of needs at the church. He said that the primary need is youth ministry. And I was like, God, that was my youth ministry. I was there. That's where I got saved at. Yes. And I went and I interviewed and I, I met with the board. And it went great. And I knew those board members. They remember seeing me get saved. And I come back with a degree. And I thought, man, this is, the Lord is doing this. He calls me the next day and he says, Kevin, he says, I got good news and bad news. What do you want first? I'm always the bad news. Anybody bad news people first? Okay, one person. Everybody else is like, I want good news first. So what's that? He said, we're not hiring you as the youth pastor. And I was like, God, I, mean, I just, he says, but, but, he said, after talking to you, he says, I think you got more to offer than just youth ministry. He says, Man, all the things you know and what you've learned, like with the outreach and getting people connected and organizing ministries and all this stuff. He says, we want to create a position for you that we've never had before. We know you're not going to be here very long, but what we want to do is have you come in and set in order, create teams, make handbooks, get all this in order so we'll have this because we desperately need the ability to connect people to our church, to get them in the doors and connect them. He says, would you be willing to do that? We need your help. And that was a game changer for me because I wanted to do youth ministry. Doing that meant I didn't get to speak much at all. Doing that means I was a behind-the-scenes guy. And I told Pastor Dunning, who's a dear friend to this day, he's still at that church, I said, Pastor, I'll do whatever you need me to do. And I went in and served. And I'll never forget one time sitting with him, and I was so excited as my, my time was coming to a close about planning the church and doing all this. And he said something to me that really changed my life. He said, I know you got dreams beyond this. He says, but this is my only dream. This is where God's called me. And he, you know, he's a little older. He said, can you just focus on being invested in my dream and make sure that you're not so focused on the future that you don't miss out what God's doing now? And when he said that, there was something that, that clicked in me that had never clicked before. If you have your notes handy, write this down, because here's what don't you understand about people, other people's dreams and purposes this. To see your dreams come to pass, be invested in other people's dreams. To see your dreams come to pass, be invested in someone else's dreams. Because here's what hit me immediately when he said that. It was Joseph. And some of you guys remember Joseph in the Old Testament. Like, you know, he had this really, this really weird dream about like, you know, these leaves and sheaves bowing down to him. And then the stars bowing down, all this stuff. And he came to his brothers. He was the youngest, youngest of all his brothers. His dad had given him a really cool coat that nobody else had, right? The coat of many colors, right? And he tells his brothers there, he says, hey, listen. Here's what the Lord showed me. And they got so angry with him that God had given them this dream. And they threw him in a pit. They sold him off to, to be a slave in another country. And he goes off to be a slave in another country. And what you see is God gave Joseph a dream at 17 years old. But what you see, the, the only way that dream came to pass wasn't like God made him great. God made him suffer and take care of other people's dreams. That at each point in time, he was interpreting somebody else's dream. It was Potiphar's dream or Pharaoh's dream or the butler and the baker. Like everywhere he was at, they were like, hey, I had this dream. Like, what does it mean? And for at one time, he interpreted the dreams of other people and said, don't forget me when you get out of here. And they forgot him for two years. And the only way we see Joseph's dream come to pass is this. He interpreted somebody else's dream. That's what got him there. And I think so many times we're so wrapped up in what we want 
we miss the fact that God wants us to get involved in what somebody else, what God's calling them to do. You know, it's the difference between being a player and a coach. A coach sees potential in the player and wants to pull it out and make them great. A player just gets out there and their job is to try to be great. And so for me in my life, I tell you what's helped me out, is at every stage of my life, I've wanted to make other people's dreams happen. And that's what I do on the side. Like I, I literally, pastors call me all across the nation, all the time, church planners. And my thing I do when I travel is making their dreams happen. They say, I have a problem. I don't know what to do. How do I solve this? How do I solve that? And literally all I do, guys, is I'm invested in their dreams. Make their dreams happen. And that's really what's translated to the vision of Thrive Church. Our vision is 650K. And if you've walked in, you've seen that number or seen the serve shirts, that's what the vision of Thrive Church is about. It's not about making Thrive Church great. It's not about having more campuses. I don't care. It's not about doing that. It's about helping other churches get started, get launched, get strengthened, get sustained, especially here in Richmond, Virginia, because there are 650,000 unreached people. And what God has called Thrive Church to do, and what he's called you to do, and what he's called me to do, is for us to get involved in somebody else's dreams. And when you do that, then God will bring your dreams to pass. But here's what you, you and I have to do, and understand this here. If you have your notes handy, write this down, because here's the key. Learn how to spell the word purpose correctly. You say, wait, I know how to spell purpose. P-U-R-P-O-S-E, right? It's not the way you spell purpose. Purpose is spelled O-T-H-E-R-S. Purpose is found in others, not in you. And when you want to get involved in other people's lives and their dreams and make that happen and solve a problem for them and really help them fulfill potential, that's how you fulfill your potential. It's not about you being great. It's not about you being famous. It's, not about, it's about you getting involved with other people and helping them. And until you understand how to spell that word purpose, then, then understand this, you'll never be able to find your purpose. The key is this, at your job, what you'll do is like, I mean, don't, don't kill yourself, but you do need to find it. What is a problem in that organization that somebody needs to solve that nobody has solved yet that they're looking for? Because people hire you not to pay you, not, not to give you a job. People hire you, you know why? To solve a problem. And the person who solves the most problems is the person who's going to always have job security. When you create more problems than you solve, that, that's, that's when it tanks. But when you solve more problems than you create, that's when you're an asset. So think about that at your job. Think about that on passion and ministry levels. You say, I don't know what God's calling me to. What, what are you passionate about? Well, I don't really know. What do you get upset about? Where do you see injustice in the world? Where do you see suffering that you want, the, the problems that you want to solve there? I mean, I'm looking at, at Frank Ash here, who retired, then got involved in an orphanage in Guyana for many years. Passion. Passion. That's, that's how he found purpose. Passion about orphans. Where is that for you? What makes you upset? What makes you joyful? Because the Lord wants to show you that so he can unlock purpose, but it's found in other people, it's not in you. I want you to think about this. That's what Jesus did for us. We had a problem. He said, yo, you got a problem? I'll solve it. 
All my 90s kids got it. Everybody else was like, I don't know what he's talking about. But I'll laugh because they're all laughing too. The problem was this. We were separated from our creator because of our sin. Holy God couldn't look upon us because we had sinned as mankind. And we had, we were born sinners. And what did Jesus come to do? Jesus didn't find purpose in teaching or miracles. The purpose of the Son of Man was to seek and save that which was lost, which was us. He found purpose in us, dying for us on the cross, resurrecting, which we'll be celebrating in a few weeks, to bring us into relationship and fellowship with our Heavenly Father. Friends, He found purpose by solving a problem for us. And that's how we're going to find purpose too. So I, I want you to really like start thinking about this. How, how can I be sensitive to the Lord when somebody around me has a problem that I can solve for them. Don't look at them as an interruption. Look at them as a divine opportunity. That's what the disciples did. Send them away. I ain't got time. I ain't got the resources. Listen, I don't, I've got my own problems in life. Be ready because God will this week send you people. He'll send you problems. Even your boss may even come to you and say, hey, yeah, we're, we're struggling with this on this end. And God's going to give you an opportunity that's wrapped up in an obstacle. Amen? Right, let's pray this morning. Father, we come to you this morning, and I pray that you would help us to understand that it's others is how we find our purpose, by being invested in their dreams, by helping someone else out. That's how we find purpose. Lord, let us not buy into the lie of our culture that purpose is found deep within ourselves. It's deep within somebody else that we're going to serve, that we're going to help, that we're going to solve a problem for. And Lord, I pray out of this message today that there are people watching online, there are people in this building today, Lord, they're going to end up walking into a purpose because they understood it was found in a problem. Help them be sensitive to that, Lord. Show us that, Lord, and give us patience when this opportunity presents itself and give us faith like the disciples had. Now, as we're praying today, church, in this mode of prayer, whether you're in here physically or online, maybe your situation is you don't know the Lord Jesus. And your next step is just giving your life to him and saying, I want to follow Jesus. That's how you, first of all, are going to find true purpose. Right where you're sitting, I want you to pray this prayer after me, make this confession of faith, and it's this. You say it with me. Say, God. I need the Savior. I need Jesus. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord. I turn from my old life and receive new life in Him. God, forgive me of all my sins. I repent. And thank you for saving me. For I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day. And today I make him my Lord. And it's in Jesus' good name I pray. Amen. Amen. Celebrate with those and all those who got baptized today. Amen. What a powerful day today. Amen. If you will, guys, stand to your feet. One thing we love to do is to close out in worship because it's not listening to a message. It's responding to that and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and to empower you. So take some time to worship the Lord over the next few minutes. Amen.